Welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. I am your host today, Drew McCaffrey, and with me again is our resident Star Wars nerd, John. Hi there. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Uh, Today we are doing a Patreon-exclusive episode, short episode covering what we think are the best entry points into Star Wars Legends, or the old expanded universe. Yeah, emphasis on on the old part there. Um, I think most Star Wars fans at this point are pretty familiar with the Disney changeover, uh, 2012-13 time frame. Um, today, yeah, we'll, we'll specifically be focusing on that prior publishing era, um, that really got its start, I would say, in the early 90s, um, and then carried through until the Disney bought. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was around, you know, my, you know, when, when I grew up, we were both born in 90, correct? Right, correct. Yeah, uh, so we, we kind of grew up with the same era of Star Wars, and uh, despite that, though, I think we had slightly different entry points. I know for me, it really was... Uh, the X-Wing books. Which is what we'll be covering later today. <laughs> yes, we'll be recording a Rogue Squadron episode in, in uh, just a, a few minutes here. But uh, but yeah, where, where did you start with expanding so, literature? Interestingly enough, um, my entry point to Star Wars was really the toys. Um, okay. So, yeah, playing, you know, outside at recess in first grade... Uh, there was a kid whose parents clearly made more money than mine, and he had um, he had the big action figure scale ships. So like oh. the big Millennium Falcon, uh, the big X Wing, big Tie Fighter, these things, and he'd bring them to recess. Um, and I was just like, "Whoa, like what? What you got there?" <laughs> um, I don't know what appealed to me originally, like aesthetically or, or just why I thought it was cool. Um, so I, so I got into those toys, um, and then I asked my parents, like, what's, what's Star Wars? Can you explain Star Wars to me? Oh, this was your entry to Star Wars, period. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm on my way back. Maybe, maybe someone else has a similar origin, (laughs) origin story for their Star Wars fandom. But, um, yeah, I went home, I I talked to my parents and of course my dad was like, well, you've seen Star Wars. Like, I've sat you there and you've watched Star Wars with me. Um, and I have a very vague memory of seeing the uh, the Tauntaun scene in Empire Strikes Back, uh, back when we lived in California. Uh-huh. I must have been like three or four years old. But anyways, um, my dad was like, yeah, they're, they're, they're fun movies. We can rent these. Um, and so this was the era of the... Uh, the VHS tapes that you would rent mm-hmm. with, like, I think New Hope had, like, Darth Vader on it. Um, Empire had, like... Uh, Stormtrooper, Stormtrooper and, and Return Jedi had Yoda. Yeah, and eventually I went back and I found those and I and I have them now. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so so watching those movies um, was at the same time I was getting into these toys. And I wasn't allowed to have video games when I was a little kid. So this was, like, that was, that was the mesh for me was... Um, was the original trilogy with the toys. Like, I'd be like, ooh, look at that vehicle. I have a little model of it. And, and like, that was my thing. Um, the EU didn't really become a thing for me until Christmas of 97. 
I can I can pinpoint it. <laughs> um, that was a good year for Star Wars toys for me. I think that was actually the first year I got any. Um, but one of the things I got that year for Christmas was the, uh, I think at that point it was the original essential guide to vehicles and vessels. Yes. Yes. Um, so this was, this is like a Star Wars reference book. Um, and it, it, it took its source material from, of course, the movies, but also um, these source books that had been written for the, uh, for the Star Wars role-playing game, which basically just imagined Star Wars D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had all these source books with like ships guns planets whatever that you would find that would be outside of the movies um but things that at least in my opinion fit fit the universe very organically um so i had so i had this reference book that i just basically memorized cover to cover um that had you know all these ships and land vehicles and stuff but the uh little the text on each vehicle would reference books that i had never heard of it was like oh this this vehicle was used during the thrawn campaign yes this was part of palpatine's dark empire or things like that and i was like well well that sounds cool yeah so i actually had a a a similar kind of entry you know i mentioned the x-wing books but really it was also um the first one for me was the essential guide to planets and moons okay and then I got uh, Vehicles and Vessels and the Essential Chronology. Not a good one. Um, and, and it was, like, I think at the time I got the Essential Chronology, I had already read a couple of the X-Wing books. I had read Rogue Squadron, Wedge's Gamble, Back to War, Wraith Squadron, and Iron Fist. But I, like, my local Barnes & Noble didn't have the Kratos Trap or Solo Command. You know, so I had a, a weird initial reading where I skipped over one of the early road books but the essential chronology filled in those holes and i was like oh there is so much more and and then reading uh, also the essential guide to characters that yeah. was the other one i had uh i think we also shared the same local barnes and noble we did yeah <laughs> <laughs> we we did indeed so Still there uh yeah so let's you know on that note let's talk about uh do you think starting off with these essential guidebooks is a uh, a great way to start or so personal opinion i don't think so (laughs) these aren't these aren't narrative books these are kind of your your deep dive nerd books um i don't know what that says about me as a child but that that being my entry point i really was most interested in the the tech and the vehicles um and you know the tangible stuff to me that like i could play with as a little kid um okay and for that reason that was a good entry point for me but i think most people um you know they're looking for narrative they're looking for characters and Mm -hmm. something to draw them in i don't think the reference books are really going to be a good place for that they're more i think flavor for the people that really love the universe and and just want that like, like it's pure world building you want yes. to hear about the origin, <laughs> the, the the design process, the historical context of the X-wing. Like that's that's your bag right there. But you know, if you're looking for a good story or a novel to read, it's it's not yeah. going to meet that. You, you want to know the tonnage of the Eclipse class Star Dreadnought? Yeah, that like, kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so for me, I thinking back, my first narrative 
entry to the EU was in fact the X-Wing books as well. Okay. And right. I can actually, I'll tell you all about it when we do our book, oh, our, yeah. our review, excuse me, when we do Rogue Squadron here on our main episode. Um, but for now, suffice it to say, those books um, really did meet that interest I had in, in the ships and the battles and how how, how the uh, the combat would actually go down in this universe. Um, since since really in the movies, th- those are more character-driven, more yeah. about the force, um, the fantasy elements. And I think the X-Wing books, uh, you know, they're my top you know, recommendation as an entry point because they're soon enough after Return of the Jedi uh-huh. uh, that it, it, it it's fairly seamless. There isn't a whole lot of background information you're missing between, you know, Luke and Vader defeating the Emperor right. and the opening pages of Rogue Squadron. Uh, it's it's only two years after the you Battle of jump, Endor. Jump right and, in. And, and Stackpole does a really good job of giving you some background information to bridge that gap at the beginning of the book. Um, but like you said, it, it it appeases that nerdy side of things. It gives you more of a, a look at the like the technology and war side uh, rather than the like mystical force right. you know, elements. But it, it does find a balance because it uh, the X-Wing books to an extent, more so the Austin books than the Stackpole books, but they they have a focus on characters, and we have Wedge Antilles as a an anchor, a familiar face to bring us in. Uh, you know, somebody it's like, oh, I I remember that guy from mm-hmm. the movies. You know, uh, and you know, Akbar makes appearances, Leia makes appearances, Luke pops in and out, Han pops in and out. So it's not like it's totally devoid of the main characters. But they're cameos. But yeah, they're not the main characters uh, in in X-Wing the way they are in the original trilogy. Right. Yeah, that, that's actually, I think, one of the selling points, at least for me, with the, uh, with the X-Wing books is... Uh, so much of the Star Wars EU focuses on the big three, you know, Luke, Han, and Leia. Yeah. Um, and they're handled differently by different authors to varying degrees of quality. And so with the X-Wing books, you have an original cast of characters. Uh, like you have one minor character from the movies. or Well, you have Wedge, and then you have Akbar, of course, yeah. pops up a lot. Um, but you don't really get to know those characters in the movies. They just, they're just there. Right. They're, they're, you know? Um, they're a recognizable face in a battle for the movies, but in these books they get uh, a very deep characterization. Um, and then you have all these other characters that are the author's own creation that you get to know and love through the process without having this idea in your head of like, well, that's not how Luke should act, or that's not how Han should act. Like, like no, these characters are all unfamiliar to the reader yeah and and that's the biggest divergence i think between uh the x-wing books and the other probably most popular recommendation for an entry point and that's the thrawn trilogy yes so the thrawn trilogy honestly i didn't get around to reading until uh high school oh really honestly yeah so oh wow um, I might have listened to an audiobook back in the day, but those are horribly abridged. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I might have tried out one or two of those from the library. But um, the Thrawn trilogy, you'll hear from a lot of Star Wars fans, is the seminal old EU 
book series. And it really is a good entry point. Um, I think, like I was just talking about how an author characterizes, you know, Luke Lea Hahn, um, Zahn nails it as an author. Yes. Um, like, he, he's pretty much universally well-regarded. I, I can pick apart, you know, some things in that series that aren't my favorite, but as far as his characterization of those recognizable individuals he does a great job it feels like reading yeah a sequel trilogy yeah he, of all of the entry points and and really of all of the legends books the original thrawn trilogy feels the most like reading the movies it, the, yeah they're very they're they're incredibly nostalgic just like you read you read luke and it's like a further development of the way he was in Jedi, you know, he's he's very mystical. He prefers to be non-violent, mm -hmm. um, but he does what's necessary for his idea of the greater good. You have Leia, who's very political, but also has this, you know, sensitive family aspect to her. Because um, I think her kids are born in that series. Uh, yes. Um, and then Han, of course, is Han is fun in that series because you get your 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 Harrison Ford original trilogy Han with the wisecracks. And the sarcasm, but you also get to see him grow into the role of like a husband and father, which which is a fun thing, honestly, to observe for the character. And Zahn makes it believable. It never feels out of right. place. Yeah, yeah. So like it, between the X-Wing series and the Thrawn trilogy, and the Thrawn trilogy takes place a couple of years after the first X-Wing book. So, you know, that's a bit longer than that. I kind think, of, uh, I, I think it's... Um, the Thrawn trilogy is in six ABY, or, or excuse me, eight ABY. Yeah, something and, like that. And, it's about uh, it's about when the Mandalorian takes place in the new. Yeah, and it's you know comfortably after the the trilogy. Um, there's, you know, th there's a little bit more of a uh, a barrier to entry in that sense. Um, yeah, so so the. Uh, Jason and Jaina are born in nine ABY. So, so it's yeah, it's exactly it's when the eight and nine, and then X Wing starts in six ABY. Yeah. Um. So it's you know there's a little more intervening information for uh, a new reader to, uh, you know, have to jump over to get into it. But if you're looking for something that really feels like the movies, you you love. Han and Luke and Leia, you you want to know their stories. The Throne trilogy is really where you should dive I'm, in. I'm comfortable saying for a casual Star Wars fan, um, like you just you like Star Wars, you think it's fun, but it's not like something you're super into. Um, but you want to read more, go with the Throne trilogy. Yeah, 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 that sounds about right. Um, and then and then there's uh, another kind of Star Wars fan, uh, the prequel fan. Yes. Uh, Glad you brought that up because I was about to do so. Yeah. Um, this is kind of an interesting kind of an interesting thing because um, there's a generation of fans a bit younger than us. I've encountered them on the internet. Um, I mean, the prequel series was pretty widely panned by the Gen X Star yeah. Wars fans. Yeah. Um, the people who grew up with the original trilogy, even people our age who were born like, you know, 90 ish um maybe a little before 90 right yeah or, or late 80s um 
encountered the prequels, you know, with all the hype going in episode one, and we're just like, what is this? This is not, this is not for me. See, and maybe I was just uh, easily pleased, but I loved episode one. Oh, episode one was like, I don't know if it was my favorite of all the movies, but it it was out there for me when I was nine. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But there is a generation of fans now who the prequel series uh, was their Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they even, um, you know, I, I'm sure plenty of people would love to argue with them, but they elevate the prequel experience even over the original trilogy. Like, mm-hmm. the, those fans are out there. Um, Absolutely. And maybe some of our listeners out there today are, are big prequel yeah. fans. Even if you don't love the prequels more than the original trilogy, you might be someone like me where you kind of grew up with it and it's it's still a special thing for you. And so if if you have a a fan of the prequels who wants to get into the EU isn't really you know interested in what happens after return of the jedi but really wants more EU era stuff. Right. That's where I think uh the novelizations come in. Yes. And the Republic Commando trilogy. Um yeah, so I can I can actually flesh that out that that out a bit um so i know we don't really or at least we don't normally delve into comics on this podcast oh um but i'm not a big comics guy but uh, for for the for the prequel fans out there i i gotta plug the republic series of comics um these are fantastic and they're really hard to come by now and and are a bit expensive unless you have hookups at your local used bookstore. <laughs> um, these, these books cover uh, the things that, or comic books, graphic novels, cover what happens immediately before episode one. Then they continue, they were written concurrently, like the comics started right around the time that episode one was coming out. Um, and then they continue, you know, for the next two years in the real world hmm. before episode two came out and they cover that in between episode one, episode two era with, with like the Republic is still, you know, the main power in the galaxy, but you have like the separatists coming up. And then, um, and then when episode two comes out, they jump into the Clone Wars comics, but still the same series. Oh, okay. So if you, if you've ever wanted to know, like what happens to all these Jedi council members, um, what were they doing before episode one happened? Why, why does Qui-Gon, you know, have such an issue with the council? What was Obi-Wan doing? Um, they are fantastic for world building. They really make the prequel era galaxy feel like a real place. And they give you a feel for like what the Jedi were before the Clone Wars started, like what their ideal was. Um, huh. and, and, and you'll wonder like, like what happened to Yaddle? Like where where was Yaddle yeah. in episode two? She got blown up by a bomb. Uh, spoiler alert. But um, <laughs> but things like that. There's a lot of flavor and world building in there um, that I think is invaluable. Now I can't even find those, nor am I willing to spend the money okay. to collect okay. all of them. So back to novels. Um, you were talking about the novelizations. Yeah. So there were you know. Uh, as as the, with the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, novelizations for episodes one, two, and three. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. R.A. Salvatore did two. both. Oh, he, he did, did two. one. Terry Brooks. Oh, Terry Brooks. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then Matthew Stover did episode three. Yep. Which is um, episode mm. three novel. So, so yeah, that episode three novel is, is kind of legendary in the Star Wars literary community, but, um, I've read Phantom Menace. I have not read Attack of the Clones, although I know Salvatore is a, like he did a good He's job. He's a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with his new Jedi order stuff. But, um, the episode one novelization is very well written. Um, gives a lot of, uh, context to the scenes that might otherwise not make sense in the movie. Um, includes deleted scenes is a much more cohesive story, honestly, than the movie itself. Uh, that's, that's a good book. Um, and for me, like, you know, as a prequel fan, myself i like that as a starting point um it, it kind of gets you back in the feel of the prequels maybe for people who haven't seen the movie for a while um and gives you this feel for the galaxy before it was constantly at war um <laughs> right <laughs> because for most of star wars it's like well it, it's, it's war it's, it's star wars it's, it's a galactic war but um phantom menace is in this period of relative stability and you get an appreciation for that before everything goes to chaos and it kind of makes later events more impactful that's yeah that's uh, a really good way to put it um yeah i think yeah i have read the the episode one and, and two novelizations and i think they're both very strong uh, and then of course revenge of the sith is something else entirely uh but but i wouldn't recommend somebody starts with revenge of the sith Uh, no and there's another standout book in this era i want to talk about that is not a good starting point but i just feel like it's plagueis yes so there's the uh there's the darth plagueis novel um for the more casual listener that's palpatine's master uh, that he mentions in the Revenge of the Sith movie. Um, excellent book. Provides tons of context for the prequel series. Um, kind of ties up all the plot holes, honestly. But that book is so referential, Yeah, I would not call it a good starting point. Like, you'll, a new reader would be lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's sort of a, a side effect of when it came out in relation... You know, when, when we're talking about the episode one novelization or especially the Thrawn trilogy, which came out in the early 90s, you know, before the, uh, you know, the, the prequel trilogy was even a thing, uh, even a plan, uh, it, it, once you get into that mid to late aughts mm-hmm. era of EU stories, it becomes predicated upon what came before it yes and and so the that barrier of entry is a little more difficult um but but yeah so i i think of of our our kind of span here the only other thing that i would say and and it's uh again probably pretty difficult to find now uh going back to the comics a completely different era entirely but the tales of the jedi Yes. Um, so those have been put into an omnibus. Oh, have they? That you can go buy. Um, I think, like, since Disney. I believe there is a Disney reprint. I'd have to double check. Um, but they were definitely put into an omnibus pre-Disney as well. 
kind of like the Rogue Squadron comics. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, so those, uh, maybe there's some Knights of the Old Republic fans out there uh, with the video game. These uh, stories take place a little bit before that, but similar era. Mm-hmm. Ancient Jedi, ancient Sith, the origins of the Sith. Um, you don't really need any prior context at all. They're more fantasy. They're, yes. they're more straight up fantasy. Um, like, it's basically magic. <laughs> um, there, there's less yeah, technology. Like, sorcery is yes. a thing, uh, rather than just, like, force philosophy and mysticism. Right. Um, but it's still fun stuff. Like, it, it still provides background for, like... Absolutely. You know, the temples on Yavin 4 were mm-hmm. former Sith conclaves and... Um, the way the Jedi Order was when it was still primitive. Yeah, if, you, if you want to know where the double-bladed lightsaber came from. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was an idea taken from those comics. Yep, it was indeed. Um, executed quite well in fandom levels, I think. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that pretty much brings us to the end here. Uh, we want to keep this one short uh, since you know it's a Patreon episode and uh, we don't want to Take up all of your time. And also, we have a special guest waiting for us in just a little bit for our Rogue Squadron episode. So keep your eyes peeled for that in a couple of weeks. Uh, As always, I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey. And with me is my wonderful co-host, John. Hi. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing these Star Wars episodes every so often. Uh, John is graciously offering his time to come back and help me bask in the nostalgia. Um... We have, we have some fun plans coming up ahead, some of which will be Patreon exclusive, some of which will, will fall in the more mainline episode end. But uh, either way, we appreciate your support of the show. Uh, you're, you're what keeps us ticking, what allows us to be pushing you know, 130 episodes on the main, uh, you know, the main feed and another 40 or 50 uh, bonus episodes. It's pretty crazy to think how much we've done. As always, yeah. Oh, I already said that. Yeah, I, 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 I guess all I have to say then is thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.